0: Everyone and welcome along to the latest Monday edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening for for what I imagine is going to be a very tame, dull and boring podcast. Um, I'm joined tonight by by two of our of our podders who I think have plenty to say on the subject of Michael Beale's decision yesterday against Party Thistle. Ian Mitchell, how you doing?
1: I'm fine, it yeah. Good to be here.
0: Excellent, and we're joined by Gavin Kelly as well. How are you doing, Gav? Yeah, good, Craig. How's you? Yeah, good, thank you. I think uh, I think it's fair to say it's been a hot topic after the game yesterday. There was plenty of controversial moments, but I don't think I've quite seen anything live at a football game like I did uh, yesterday. Um, but I'll come to you first, Ian, just 20, 24 hours on, just over 24 hours on from the end of the game. What are your thoughts on, on the performance and, and the overall game against Partick Thistle?
1: Um, not great. <laughs> that first half especially was for the worst we've been for, for quite a while. Um, even going sort of pre-GEO as well. Um very lazy, very slack. Just no the shape didn't work, I think, from the very beginning. So I, I saw the lineup and I was quite excited. I thought there's plenty of goals in this, plenty of creative play in this, and it just, just didn't pan out. Too many people standing on each other's toes, getting in the way of each other, too slow, too lazy. It had a very pre season friendly feel to it. I like think I said that in the chat very early on. and um, but we got through. If we win that cup, no one's gonna care. Um and, and yeah, it's good for us. We've got a couple of things to talk about, of course, so all good.
0: And you've got an ice cream van in the background. I do,
1: that's timed perfectly, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> ideal.
0: Which is absolutely timed perfectly. Um I think yesterday, Gav, it was good to see a, a, a decent sized away support. Um, it definitely contributed to the atmosphere at the game. Um but what did you make of, of Rangers' performance overall? Uh
2: I think I think the easiest way to sum it up was it looked like a performance where you had three of the front four who had barely played in the last however many months. Um I was the same as in you know, I thought the, the lineup it, it had opportunities in terms of sort of creativity and guys that would want to shoot and guys that would want to take chances and take risks, but how it actually panned out was with hindsight, you could almost you could almost see it coming with hindsight because it was like multiple number tens and um Cholak, if he's isolated, is is almost a man down. It's it wasn't a coincidence. As soon as Cholak had a couple of bodies closer to him and a bit more movement round about him, he looked a bit better as well. So it was it was one of those ones where the second half makes you wonder why why it took until half time and it's and It's not the first time that Beale's kinda of done this where we've, we've had to change thing, change things at, at half time and um it'd be nice if we started getting them right from the from the first whistle rather than the, the sort of second one.
0: Yeah, I think really in 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 my mind, the only one I can remember where we've put in the performance from the first whistle was Tine Castle away. Um outside of that, I think we continued to struggle for at least one half. Of football and it's tended to be the tended to be the first half and um, I think I've seen a lot of discussion over the players not quite understanding when when they should put their foot down or when they should when it, the time is right to take their foot off the gas a little bit or if any time is right for them to take their foot off the gas um which I think is a, a whole discussion itself we'll come on to talking about um Michael Beale's team lineup yesterday and some of the some of the combinations that it provided and, and how we should look at them going forward but first of all i think there's only one place to start and that's Mark tillman's goal which was rangers second of the game um ian i'll come to you first when it all unfolded Mark tillman takes the ball off i think it was uh, kevin Holt. i keep going to call him jason hope but kevin hope Um when he takes the ball kevin Holt. he muscles him to the ground it just bounces off him and he's, he's flying through and goal. he does the the, the whole um Death touch around the keeper and then he takes a defender out of the way as well and, and squats at home and then all all hell kicks off basically for about five minutes. What what was your reaction when when all that was happening?
1: Um it's kind of been missed a little bit, but it's a very good finish. <laughs> it does very well, great composure. Um it's it's a very hot topic for a reason. I think it splits the whole of Scottish football in terms of have we done the right thing, have we not? It makes it a lot easier that we won the game, because if not that's that's a whole different ball game. Um, personally, there's no other team in Scotland that does that for us if it's role reversed. Not one. If Partick make it 2-1 with that goal, they're not going to let us walk up the pitch and score. And In addition to that, the guy could just hoof it away first time. He then takes a bad touch, sort of stands about. I can see why Kelman just goes for him, or goes for the ball, really. So... It's, it's the, we've done the right thing, I think, is the boring answer, but no one's doing that for us back, so I'm still a little bit torn on it.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk this through because I don't think we did the right thing, so we'll definitely be be talking this through as to, as to why each of us thinks that way. Um Gav, you might well be the tiebreaker on this one. Uh, what, what were your thoughts as it is it unfolded? There's plenty of bits bits we'll break it down into the various moments and what what should or what we think should have happened and what we don't. But is the incident overall you were you were at the game with your, your wee boy, I think what was your what was your view of the incident at the time? Uh well <coughs> originally at, at the game um the wee man didn't
2: have a clue what was going on because <laughs> he, he, he he thought Tiffany had turned into Messi, he was just dribbling past her. he couldn't understand why nobody was tackling him. Um but having having watched it back and that obviously with Tillman being injured and on the ground and not seeing what had happened, but if if, if that if that's the fence, I'm kind of I'm there because I can see like both sides of the argument in terms of um Tillman didn't realise what was going on. So as soon as Beale explains that and that Tillman doesn't realise what's going on, then you can you can justify Tillman's actions. It's not being unsportsmanlike or anything like that. But then as Ian said, the where the ball got put out, we were going to get the ball back at our goalkeeper potentially. And it's like we had the ball in a promising attacking position. They've then taken they've been wasting time the whole game, he's then taken ages to decide what he was going to do with it. So it's like, well, Tillman's going, well, you've had long enough to boot it away. Even if Tillman did know what was going on, he'd had long enough to boot it away to actually do it. And there's that sort uh, the of unknown of um, would any teams sort of do it for us as well. And it's uh, it's just, I say it's one of those things. Much it's Any other team, I don't think as big a deal really gets gets made of it. And even though Michael Beals explained what happened and that Tillman didn't see it, they'll still be there. And even though we let Hartick <laughs> get the goal, Tell me they'll still get abused for whatever reason, even even later on in the game, and Thistle fans are still booing them all during the game, even though they've got the goal back, so that's, as Ian says, that's just what's, got, what's going to happen, because it's, it's Rangers.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's the comments are absolutely flying in um, at the moment, to be honest, but I think one of the main factors is one that you touched on Gav, there, Gav, I think the number of touches that the Patrick Thistle player took from the throw-in until he was going to uh, hoof it down the line, I think hoof is a, is a fair description of yeah, it.
2: it. It was how long it was how long he, he took and how long they took to, to give it back. It was like, right, come on, in, in, in your own time. So even if Tillman had hadn't been on the on the ground, you, you'd be well justified for saying after game, well, he took ages. So I just went, took off. Yeah.
0: Him. I think I think that's the case, and we partake this so we where we're time wasting as you would expect, especially when they went. 1-0 up and they were they were pushing it right to the limits and do, i don't have any any real issue with that to be honest because if if we were one nil up away to real madrid or something like that we would be doing exactly the same thing um i think that i think that the, the whole length of time that the defender took to clear it is is a major part of the issue um and then i think the reaction as well they were all claiming to the referee as though the referee had to had to yeah. stop it. If he had no power whatsoever to to stop it. it. It does come down to the whole argument of of sportsmanship. Um, DC in the comments here saying it's sportsmanship, every club would do the same. Um, I'd Question first of all, and Gav, I'll stick with you on the answer to this one, is if we put the ball out for a throw-in in line with their 18-yard box, they then give us the ball back by punting the ball back to our goalkeeper. Is that sportsmanship? Uh, again,
2: this is one of those ones where it's, you, you play the whistle, I mean, that that help um, my kids' football team, and it's and you, you tell them to play to the whistle, and it's it's your own player that's on the ground, but you're also in an attacking position. Now, if the attack breaks down, it, part of this line, then going to have possession for the next 30 or 40 phases of play, so it's, for me, that's where the mistake was in terms of, we should just keep kept, kept playing. If, if they Tillman's that injured, it's or looks badly injured. It's the referees; he's the one that's supposed to look after the players. If it's a head knock, it should automatically stop the game. But even if he is badly injured, the ref should be blowing the whistle to stop the game. So it's putting the ball out of play in the first place is where it kind of it all sort of falls down because there's always that that moral obligation of putting the ball out and then getting it back. And let's like said the, the boy was looking where to kick it. He wasn't just going to batter it down to McGregor. So straight away it looks like he's well, where can I put this where we can get a bit of pressure back, sort of thing? It wasn't he wasn't doing the right thing by taking ages over where he was going to batter it, because otherwise you just take a touch and then put it down. But it's it is one of those one of those grey areas where um, and plenty of people have have done it from the old firm from was last season where um Robbie McCrory put the ball out. It must be two seasons ago. McCrory put the ball out. of yeah. play for Balgan being down, and Celtic played on. So it, again, it's the whole sort of grey area whether it's right or wrong, or morally right or wrong. Play the whistle, and then there's no arguments then. And it
0: yeah. Uh, Ian Gav talks about playing to the whistle, and I guess let's talk about the decisions the referee had to make. First of all, in <laughs> in, in, in that in that situation, first of all. Yeah. Um, Paul go comes in and says Craig can you discuss why the ref didn't pull up for the stamp on Tillman's ankle I I was at the game sitting in the club deck I didn't see the stamp in real time to be honest but I did see it on the replay when we watched back and it's late and it's um, it's, it's on purpose so it's deliberate yeah. I don't think there's any, any question about that that was the whole trigger for the ball being put out of play I, I don't know how VAR doesn't pick that up if I'm honest, and then play play goes on. Tillman st- takes the ball off Holt, runs through and goal, and then uh, scots at home, and he's immediately confronted by three or four Partick Thistle players. I think it's the goalkeeper that immediately shows him to the ground, but it might be it might be the centre half. Um, but, but absolutely the the, the guy absolutely, um annihilates Tillman pretty much, and just he's on the floor before he knows anything about it. um is it, but the referee a whole commotion. Uh, started and it was all handbags for a little bit and then uh, the referee books Borna Barisic for some reason who was actually one of the peacekeepers, peacemakers and uh, then uh, one of the party Thistle players and does nothing else. It it, it seems absolutely bizarre that that's, that's the outcome the referee had from from all of those um, opportunities. What, does it not?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, right at the very start, as Paul says, that tackle's a shocker. <laughs> like, There's no doubt that that boy's going to do him. He doesn't he stand on his ankle. He doesn't he then hold it for a couple of seconds as as you see happen. That, that's a red. The fact the ref doesn't even get asked to go and look at it makes no sense. Uh, but as you said, he's, he's just picked two players in the end to think, I'll book you, I'll book you. Bonner, as you say, has been one of the sort of less aggressors. I think Roof was trying to batter about five people at once. How he's not got a card, it's fine by me. But <laughs> the ref is just, I think he's turned around and saw the first two people and thought, right, bam, bam and cool it that way I know, he's just done a bit of guesswork there but it's what we expect from, from Scottish Scottish isn't it it's standard
0: yeah so it's uh, uh that was that was baffling to say the least but the, the whole referee performance was was baffling if we're if we're really honest from the the party thistle penalty yeah through, i can't even talk about through, that yes yeah, through to that instant through to um, the time wasting, uh, the whole thing was was just a shambles from start to finish. If, if we are honest, even the penalty we got was a shambles. Um, it was well outside the box. But going back to the instant, Gav, I think Talon puts the ball in the net. Whole melee at the at the goal mouth. We are the referee. Everyone's like, can the referee chop that off? I'm trying to remember what the, the rules of the game are in the stadium. I and mean, like, can can the referee do anything? Can, VAR do anything? can um, is it if you even given the goal and what's going on? I think those were all discussions that were happening around me. Everyone realises that the goal was given. That's that. And then we see um, Party Thistle players still going mental. We see um, Michael Beale call over James Tavernier. Has a very quick word in his ear. I think James Tavernier still already knew what was happening or, or what he was going to do. And they instantly let party Thistle run the full length of the park uh, over the full, full length of the half, sorry. Alan McGregor's clearly raging about the fact that he's been made to do this um, and the party Thistle player slots the ball into the back of the net. Um, Gav, I know you, you said you're on the fence. I'm um, personally the opinion that we shouldn't have done that. Ian says that it probably was the right thing to do. What what Can you give both sides of, of your argument, Gav, I guess, in terms of why you think we should and shouldn't have done it?
2: Yeah, at, at the time like I said, I was fuming I was because I thought, as I said, the amount of time that the parting player took to clear it, I was like, right, it, it's fair game now. It's The ball's been in play for a few seconds now. Right, you've had your chance. and Fair game. But um, the flip side of that is obviously because we think he was going to give the ball back to us. And, well, technically Tillman's clean through as soon as he tackles him, but it, it maybe wasn't if we're looking if we're looking be wholly honest, but it's um it is one of those. I don't think there is in this occasion, I don't think there is an actual black and white answer in, in fairness. I think it's how you how you see the game and and how you how you judge a, a situation that you've got you've got no idea of really knowing what other teams would do. Would Partick do it for us We've got no idea because it's never it's never happened and it's it's the sort of thing that it happens that rarely that um it's basically on your on your emotion and, and how much you think the partick defender was actually going to give us the ball back, or if he was he was looking for a teammate close to a ranger centre half goal we'll or tried to give you it back. But um, no, it's it's one of those ones. But it, it was a good it was a good finish though. <laughs> I, said, I I don't blame Tillman. That first of all, I don't blame Tillman for what he did, whether he was injured or or not, or if, whether he saw it or not. I don't blame him for what he did because he's he was thirty yards away when the ball got thrown in. So that shows how much time the party defender had to make his decision what he was going to do with it. So that's that's where I am.
0: Yeah, Ian, I'm going to I'm going to uh, throw you a hostile pass here, and I will go through some of the comments and get your get your thoughts on it. I think it's we've seen ever since it happened that it was been it's been a polarising topic, and it's no different in the comments tonight. Um, AG coming in saying Bill is an absolute disgrace for leaving my kept out to dry like that. He was assaulted thrice. So not often you see the word thrice written down. Um, f- f- first, they attempt at breaking his ankle, then the goalie in the centre half. We then look at um, Crawford Hume, former podder with TII. Bill was 100% correct. If we if we hadn't done that, we would have been slaughtered by the press, saying that no one would do it for us as a red herring. Uh, no one knows that for sure. Um, Ross Chalmers, fellow, fellow podder, says, seen a few asking for Michael Bill to close his job over this. And if you agree. <laughs> Ian, try and break that down for us. <laughs> um, whoever's
1: saying Bill should get sacked, that's a bit bold. Um, not not seeing where that's coming from. To be honest, I think an interesting part of it is that Bill sort of explained it's because it's Telman he doesn't want him labelled with that. Obviously, he's such a angelic guy he doesn't have like doesn't seem to have a bad bone in his body. It's interesting if it was I don't know Arfield, a guy later his career who'd scored that goal would Beal have still been so open to giving the goal back? Might have changed things because as a few comments said, Tillman would have been labelled with that, you know, this was career, but for a long time in Scottish football, called a cheat chance coming from the, like, different stadiums and stuff, just things that he doesn't need to happen. Um, so like I say, if it was another player, might have changed the scenario slightly. Um, but no, I say at the start, I think we've done the right thing. I think Beal's done the right thing, albeit the time I wasn't ecstatic about it. Um I saw a couple of people as well saying about how Tavernier shouldn't have just accepted Bills. I mean how how he's not going to go against his manager, is it? That's the worst look a captain could possibly give, I think, in terms of like authority and things like that. So no, nah, I think it's it's played out a little frustrating, but probably for the best. Dad.
0: Yeah, I, I see James Tavernier getting quite a bit of stick in the comments, Gav. Um, Curry Muncher, who after nine months of watching every single podcast we do, finally followed us on Twitter today. So big shout out! So Curry Muncher, for finally taking that that leap, he must he must now finally trust us. Um, says that uh, was not surprised to have accepted a weak individual. Um, Ag says uh, exactly weak minded and a loser. Kamara too. These these all seem a bit harsh to me. I, I think uh, I don't think James Tavernier is. Is, is to blame for any of that? Is he's, he's got a lot of deficiencies in his game at the moment, but I don't think that decision yesterday was was in to do with it. It's 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 interesting how polarizing this topic has been, Gav, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing is we as fans, we're allowed to be emotional
2: and some sort of base our decisions on on the motions of whether we think other teams, and I think that's what it hinges on is is the the belief or 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 lack of of whether or not any teams would do it for I me. Mean, Crawford's right there. We've got no idea whether a team would do it for us or, us or not. Um, we can have our own ideas about certain teams might do it for us and certain might not. But a lot of that comes down to Michael Beal, as an example, um, who, who who comes across as being a, a class act. And we think about all the players that have, have worked with all love them and he's highly rated in the coaching fraternity as well. And then there's other coaches, um currently not in work, maybe reputations for losing their temper and touching antics that maybe aren't that professional, that maybe they'd be the sort of coaches that wouldn't do what Michael Beale did. One that maybe worked at a team not far from our own not that long ago, <laughs> that is maybe the sort of person that, that they wouldn't tell his team to give another team a goal back. But Michael Beale's right, it's, it's he's done, um, he's, taking the decision out of the players hands and and he's the one that's, that's that's made that call. And it was also noticeable to a certain extent that we seem to up our, the players seem to up the tempo after that. Almost as if to they, because they were raging that they'd have to they to give that goal. So um, which maybe I was going to say we should maybe give teams cheap goals every week but we seem to do that
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> already. So. I don't know for that this season. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't know. Okay.
0: Um Ian I think one of, the, one of the criticisms I've seen leveled at uh, Michael Bale is actually um, he was weak in doing what he did and he was pressured. If he, he would have felt pressured into it. I actually think the opposite because we, by giving the goal, we've had, what, 15 minutes plus stoppage time left. At that point, it was two each against Partick Dask at home in a game you're expected to win. Anything could happen from that point onwards if it goes into extra time, if it goes into penalties. I actually think Michael Beale was, it's An incredibly strong decision um, from Michael Beale. What he did, especially given the the reaction, which I can only imagine would have arrived had we subsequently gone out of the cup. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Take that, that it was a, a weak decision from Michael Beale.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's very strong. Um, not only for the fact that getting put apart to get home would be very embarrassing, but for how important cups are for Michael Beale this season, given how he's came into the league position, being quite a bit behind plus what happened under the Gerard era and the lack of cups we won. Um, obviously just the two trophies in their time here. So um sorry two trophies the club's had in that time. Um it would have been very easy for Beauty to just kinda of, sit in his chair and just let the ref kind of, play it out, just see what happened kind of thing and take the two one and deal with the press sort of barrage after. But no, as you said, it took a lot of character for him to kind of stand up and be the guy to say, no look, that was wrong. Give them a goal, start again
0: obviously it paid off in the end thankfully yeah Gav, michael beale spoke a lot in his post-match press conference and james tavernier said as well about the standards the club sets and it, 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 we need to continue to live up to those and we did the, we did the right thing do you think sometimes we are too nice as a football club at times do you think we um almost we're, we're almost apologetic to other teams at times for if we do something that maybe pushes the boundaries a little bit or are we are we push the boat out when actually every other team in Scotland is out to get us and, and that's how it's been especially for the last 11 years or so Um Thomas H comes in and says we're too nice treat people how they treat you what's your stance on that I think I think it depends on the
2: situation to be honest with you. like so the, the one way the goal at the weekend—that's that's one of those things because it was it was a misunderstanding. It wasn't like it, it was a malicious attempt to get the ball back and then score a goal to get one over on them. It, it was purely sort of uh, situational that that, that that was based on. So I don't think that was being too nice. I think that was sort of looking at the situation and making making a decision based on that. But there are situations. Um, things like whether it's refereeing or um going further back to sort of COVID year when the, the league got called and the whole thing that that just kinda of petered out and then you, you, that's when you kinda of think that you can do with having stronger stronger people above you and then calling things out for, for what they are in terms of um just being stronger and more vocal with their opinions in terms of like the hierarchy and what's going on. I know Stuart Robertson's came out a few times and said that the Sort of the SPFL board, or the guys that are employed by the SPFL, and by the clubs aren't fit for purpose and all that sort of stuff. But that again's kind of disappeared. It's still the same people that are running the SPFL, and it, it seems to have gone quiet. And they're still they're still at the top of the game. And you think there'd be maybe more more strength on that sort of thing. But do you want to support a club that that, that doesn't do the right thing and doesn't doesn't behave in a certain manner and just greets about everything and complains. And it's I just I just think it's there's, there's more important things in, in life in terms of how you how you behave and and I think that, that kind of set a decent standard and a, and a good benchmark for others. Whether other people choose not to not to do that, that's that's entirely entirely on them and it reflects on their, their
0: behavior and their professionalism. Ian, I think Gav makes quite a lot of good points there, but I guess it comes down to and it, it probably more outside of this instant than this incident itself, but as a football club, as a football team, do we need to be more ruthless?
1: I wouldn't really say so, to be honest. Um, I think John's comment you brought up there, um, it's pretty much spawn. It's a great PR move. Um, there There's a lot of like random Twitter pages tweeting about this morning. It was on Sky Sports News, and it's boring kind of stuff. like that Others don't really care about that, but it just puts James in a re- really good light because um, there's still a lot of people that have like, what happened two or years ago is the sort of first thought when you think of Rangers so just little things like this, little touches of class just help um, it can only be positive really um, again this is a very different debate to if we would lost that game <laughs> then the ruthless question would have been right at the front of everyone's mind um, probably mine as well to be honest like, that's just a fact um, but the fact we won the right way without like cheating or anything which would have been brought to us like we know we'd have woke up and saw every tweet today from Celtic fans calling us cheats and telling us cheat and this and that. So we've ev- evaded all of that, got the win. It's, it's a very, it's a good news story in the end.
0: Yeah, uh, that is a good news story in the end. I, I, part of me still wonders what it would be like had had we lost. I think that would have been a whole other storm, um, and thankfully we didn't have to have to encounter that. We didn't even have to encounter extra time because. Um, the much-maligned James Sands popped up with the with the winner with four minutes to go. Um, Gav, let's start to to move on a wee bit from this topic. Although the comments are still flying in, so if, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one, and we might come back to some of them as as we go through the pod. Um, before the game yesterday, we we saw the starting lineup, and quite a lot of us in, in in the pod group chat were were pretty happy with the lineup. And actually, it was something we'd been hoping to see for quite a while. Um, the likes of Tillman, Cantwell um and uh, all starting together. Um Cholak up front, so it was good to see him getting a start again. It seemed like a, an attacking lineup with with uh, Nicholas Raskin in there as well. Um James Sands at centre half was maybe a bit of a a bit of a surprise, um especially I think ahead of Leon King, who if we're I think the the, the general consensus amongst Rangers fans is that that James Sands will be going back to New York City at the end of this season Um, so actually we would have been better given Leon King um some more game time. What do you make of, of, of the starting lineup? I think Michael Beale admitted afterwards that it actually was the wrong team um, that he picked just because from a, a cohesiveness perspective and from um, I, I guess how the team gelled together and how they played especially in that, that final third what were your thoughts on on the starting lineup as a whole and how how they all kind of fitted or didn't fit together? Yeah, I was,
2: first of all, I was happy with the team when it was when it was announced because there was enough and Let's get this right without being disrespectful to Partick Thistle. There was more than enough good players there to control a game and create enough chances to beat Partick Thistle and to be in front at half time. But on the preview or sort of team selection. That, that our uh, pre-match, I wanted us to go strong to start off with, and then change at half time because you got five subs, so make a after change at half time. Um, starting at, at the back, the James signs to Um Beale spoke about wanting to see him in his best position, that he isn't centre half. So why <laughs> why pick him at centre half? I had a Leon King. That, that's that's where that one doesn't make sense for me because he said it's not fair to judge him as a centre half. And then picks him at center and a half. Um, in terms of the sort of a, the sort of front five, I suppose. And again, this is with hindsight, because I thought sort of Tillman, Haji, Cantwell, and Cholak, I thought there was enough there to cause problems. Um, but we don't have pace in our attack, especially if you've got Cholak, you can get away with it with Morelos, because he'll hold the ball up and allow others to get closer to him. Even though I didn't think Cholak's sort of link-up play was actually that that bad yesterday, but he's having to drop that that deep to get involved. But we need Kent or Sakala or just anybody with pace close to our central striker because they're just too isolated when we have Cholak and have the guys that were, they're playing nice wee triangles, but they weren't going forwards with them. They were just playing triangles in front of particles. There was nothing going in in behind them, and then. When guys took on that wee bit of responsibility, like Satelman or Cantwell and tried to beat a couple of players, they beat the first couple, but then there'd be another one there as well because they were getting they were running into the middle where was too uh too congested. Um for me, if you're going to play those players together, you have to have one of them playing deeper where they can play passes from a deeper position. So because Kamara yesterday was I I don't know what he was (laughs) he was doing yesterday. It was. I was actually more annoyed when Kamara ran forty yards in a horizontal line to then pass the ball three yards to Barisic <laughs> when he could have passed it first time than I was when we gave them the goal back. <laughs> it was, <laughs> like, could it was like you can see things like you can see it coming. He's on the centre circle. Barisic is running like just play the ball in front of him and he's got he's in space like probably two touches he can get across him. He just ran towards him, kept running towards him, and then just tapped at him, and then everything just stopped. So we've gone from having. A bit of momentum, not quite a counter attack, but a bit of momentum. To them, just everything stopped, and it's like, like, what are you doing? If you see, like, it was just so frustrating. Whereas, if you've got Cantwell or Hadji in that position, they pick up the one touch, look up, and they would have played the ball for Barisic to run on onto straight away. So it's just, I think that kind of summed up summed up the day until we brought on brought on Ken and brought on Roof up to Cholak and there was more movement more speed Just, mm. just everything everything changed just that as simple as that two two subs that my boy actually said <laughs> said at time. we need
0: to bring on Ruth and Kent and that was it yeah I think on the going Kamara thing I think um he for some reason decided to come in yesterday and just take over exactly what Ryan Jack's been doing for the past four or five games in terms of slowing the game down like you say running running towards Players and then passing the ball to him and just passing the ball to him from where he is taking too long to to play the ball. I think glenn Kamara was was not impressive at all yesterday, and he was really he was actually really disappointing. On the other hand, Nicholas Raskin in that in that midfield beside him, I thought was incredibly impressive and really put down a marker for for what for for what he can offer us. And I actually thought his play in and around the box was was really good as well and uh, but he was fizzing the ball into every player every pass was was fizzed into the feet of the of their teammate and um i was i was particularly impressed um with, with that Gaby touched on quite a lot of the points we're going to we're going to go through over the next sort of 20 minutes 25 minutes or so and um, ian i think when it comes to can Tillman, well tell when in that first half i think they all wanted to play in the same space in the pitch. They all wanted to play directly behind Antonio Cholak. They wanted to play in the center of the pitch and they were all just kind of running towards each other and getting in each other's way. And it was kind of slowing down the game and we seemed quite disjointed Um, from that. I think if what became abundantly clear to me is that the three of them won't work together from that perspective, but how, how important width is in Michael Beal's system, and having having someone like Ryan Kent or a fashion Sakala or a, even a Scott Wright coming off the bench, how important that can be to to, to the style of play that, that Michael Beal wants, but also to to shifting about the opposition team and, and taking moving defenders around to create the space that the likes of Tillman Hadji can't well all need.
1: Exactly that. Yeah, especially against a back five. Not the part that were were like ultra-defensive I think after 10-15 sort of minutes they got that kind of natural confidence that you get from not being a goal down yet. So they started to play a bit and for a good 20 minutes they were much the better team than us. Um, like you say, we, we had no wits because we had three guys playing literally in a line behind Cholak. <laughs> um, Haji in particular, he's obviously been out for like what 12 months plus so he's going to take a lot of time to get back. But we won't see the best of him until probably had a good pre-season and then can try and kick on at the start of next year, but he just looked so far off it. Like Hadji's always been slow, but he looked properly slow. Like he couldn't move, couldn't turn. A couple of times the right back at Partick, uh, McMillan I think it was just literally jogged by him and Hadji couldn't get anywhere near him. Um so I think it would have made sense if he was the kind of central guy to try and make the passes. But then again there was one he, he could have slipped through Cholak sort of halfway through the first half and just completely overhit it. Terrible pass, and you could see how, how frustrated he was with it because that's a bread-and-butter pass for that kind of player. Um, so him coming off at halftime is definitely right. Cantwell, same idea. Couldn't impact the game. I think he's another one of these players that we seem to have about five of that just can't play sort of right wing. It's, it's not wing, but that right side of the front three. Um, Takala's the only one that can sort of do it to an efficient level, sort of getting his goals, getting his assists. No one else there really seems to, to to be doing what we need them to do. Um, and, and Tillman, as you said, was getting a bit crowded out because of those two sort of getting in his way. So, as I think Gav said it exactly. We all saw the line up and thought this is perfect movement creation, we'll score bag. So here, but after five ten minutes, you knew this this wasn't going to work. So, half time subs, as we touched on right at the start, feels good that. It's not, great. it's not a great thing to be good at in terms of you want to start the game that way, but he did see the problem eventually and fix it, albeit it meant for a very boring first half. So, Yeah, Gav, really I wanted,
0: yeah, I wanted to touch on a couple of points that Ian mentioned there. First one was Hadji, I think, it stood out how much he was struggling yesterday even against a, a, a side of Partick Thistle's level, obviously playing the Championship. He he struggled to get the passes right. He's his weight of passing was was off. He he was struggling. He seemed to be struggling to read the game, which I found a bit a bit strange as well. Um, I think it's definitely going to take a lot of time for um, Hadji to come back into things, and I don't know how we're going to give, be able to give him that time. If I'm honest, unless we start um, shorting up games earlier than we than we have been, the, the second one I wanted to. Um, bring in there's getting a lot of love in the comments is Fashion Sakawa and even by not playing yesterday it seems to have gone massively up in in people's estimations. John Alexander We Sakala starting to shine. Um Aldo RFC, We Sakala under bills hundred percent. Um AG is the opposite of Kamara, amazing attitude. What do you make of firstly Yanis Haji and then the, the, the sort of the the change in opinion that we're seeing towards Fashion Sakawa?
2: Uh, with Haji, I think yesterday's the, the the perfect game to play him as an eight next to a defensive midfielder because we all know he's not got a great amount of pace for beating somebody one v one. Which is which is if you're in the attacking third and you're playing against a team that's going to have a lot of defenders, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna need that quite quite often when you get the ball. You're gonna to have to get the ball under control, and quite often you to have to create space for yourself before you can do something with the ball. But if you're in a position where you're taking the ball off the centre halves and starting attacks, or taking the ball off the full backs and starting attacks, you wouldn't you'll kick Kamara you're not going to be under under as much pressure. As opposed to Kamara dribbling the ball sideways and then playing a three yard pass, Hajj would be picking the ball up and he'd at least be able to play with his head up and pick passes from deeper without the same sort of pressure on him and then getting it back and moving it again. He's more likely to have that sort of one or two touches and then move the ball again. That's where I don't think in that sort of situation he, he suits well at all. I think if you're playing Haji as a ten, you need to have Kent and, and Sakala behind behind a striker. So if Tillman's injured or something like that, because then you're not relying on Haji to sort of beat players or run behind the striker. You're asking him to play the passes for Kent, Sakala and the striker. So there's that a little bit more flexibility. In terms of Sakala, I've been banging out on about Sakala since he's he signed. It's he's He's never going to be the best technical footballer, but every team needs a player that just gets numbers, that just gets goals and that gets assists. And every time he's had a run in the team, he's done both. Another thing with most of the teams that we play against, again, whether it's a low block or whether it's just the park of defence, you need two things to break that down. Either balls over the top for players with pace to run onto, or you need to get behind them. And pace does both of those things. And yesterday we didn't have anything, we didn't have any pace to get in behind them um, but as soon as we did have more pace, we got behind them I mean, how did we get the goal? We got the goal from Raskin running with pace bodying the boy and then playing the ball back the way and that's that's how you get behind those defences and the first half we, had, we didn't have that ability to do that no pace, no sort of want or desire to get behind them and um, we saw in the second half like that and you just kind of hope that is he in touch before the bill starts to learn that lesson of what works and what doesn't work and
0: starts having more tick boxes than than crosses? Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair, and I think Fashion of has definitely gone up in a lot of people's estimation since, since Michael Beals came in. And I th- to be honest, I think he's nailed on to starting the League Cup final against Celtic. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any other option really um, that would that would give us as much as Fashion of Um can do or at least we know he can do and he always seems to, to do well up against them as well um ian before we move on to talking about the the strikers and antonio cholak and alfredo morelos robert Crombie comes in and says uh, raskin was my man of the match um, i think he was mine too to be honest i thought his performance i thought Tillman. i thought Tillman did really well yesterday but i also think tillman in the first half was trying to do too much. I think he knew he was light years beyond anyone else on that pitch um, in terms of ability and he just decided he was going to try and show it off and just beat everyone about four or five times before he let go of the ball and at times in the first half it just it, it wasn't working the way he wanted out to. Obviously second half was a bit different but I thought Nicholas Raskin was was class from minute one. What did you make of Nicholas Raskin yesterday? And I thought. I personally think he laid down a bit of a marker as to how he how he can play and and his style of play. What what were your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um I can't remember much he'd done wrong at all. Um even the first half, he was probably the only player I thought that was getting pass marks. Um obviously creates the equalizer, good run, as you said, to get in the box. And he's a bit more not attack-minded, he's not an attack midfielder, but he's a lot more attacking than I thought he was, having not watched any of his games before, obviously. Um, but sort of reading reports and stuff I thought it was a bit more combative and would win the ball back and maybe move it on but no, he seems to be able to do everything he can he can tackle, he can run he can find the pass as he's shown um, I heard some commentary he hadn't scored for over a year but he hadn't played for a while as well so hopefully that's something he can add on to as well uh, but no, I think giving a man of the match probably with Tillman is about right, he's brilliant um, and you mentioned sort of laying down a marker I think I'd be a bit annoyed if he came out of the team now, to be honest. I'd, I'd want him to play, play, play. He's, he's exactly what we've wanted at midfield for a long time now. Obviously, we've spoken about Kamara, and I hope Ross isn't still watching, because I'm getting to the stage. Kamara very much annoys me playing now. Uh, I know he picked up a little bit, and it was obviously really good against Hearts, so given that. But that's the problem for Kamara. For me, he, he picks and chooses his, his, his games, depending on who he's playing, it seems. As if he's, he's playing Partick Fist or Ibrox. I can stay in first gear here, won't matter whether it's if they go into to Tain Castle or a lot of the European games last season anyway. Um, he was vital in that run. So I think Vaskin is now the nailed on center central midfielder. It's just a case of whether it's Jack Lundstrom or Kamara with him, probably depending on the team. So now I was well impressed.
0: Yeah, Gav, you're you're a strong proponent of Nicholas Vaskin. You have been since he was first linked back in the summer. What, what, what have you made of a start to life at, at Yeah, Yes, it, with Raskin, it's just intent. And it, it's a great,
2: great comparison with Kamara because Raskin gets a ball and he's already scanned. Good midfielder scan all the time. And he knows which direction he can turn to start an attack. Whereas Kamara's first reaction is to turn towards the centre. He turns to safety and then makes a the decision. What he's got very real is, is his first thought to, to play forward. And it's, that's something that at 26, you're not going to train train out of them now. And it's, ball retention is great. And again, he's a good example. At European level, when you need to sort of control possession, you need to control tempo more. Um, whereas playing in Scotland, it, it's not so much about that. It's more about when there is an opportunity to attack, you take it as quickly as you, as you can, because as soon as a defensive set, it makes it harder. And Raskin's first thought, whether it's was through passing or running or playing little one twos and there's a few really nice sort of interchanges. The goal's a great example of it where again he looks really sharp and, and that's like Lundstrom Jack and Kamara have all got qualities. They're all good at certain things. But now you wouldn't say any of them are sharp or any of them are particularly quick. Kamara can be fast, but again it's he doesn't use it. He doesn't use it like We've seen flashes of it over the last um Few years, but it's he, he doesn't use it. Same with his ability on the ball; he's probably technically the best player we've got, and yet he's he just he, he refuses to to use it in and around the box, and uh, same with his finishing. He's just just hugely frustrating. But but Raskin looks like he's he really wants to be that sort of player to sort of grab a game by a by the scruff of the neck and actually and do something with the ball rather than just right. I've won the ball, five yard horizontal pass. That's me done my bit. He actually wants to to drive a team forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a lot of a lot of love coming into the comments for for Raskin, Ag saying uh, you can tell Raskin's understood the club since the moment he stepped into Eyebrooks. Robert Crombie come back in saying Raskin wants to go forward. It was class. I'm really excited to to see him continuing to to develop in this Rangers team and hopefully give us something different, like you say, than than we currently have. Um, Ian, just the last kind of point on yesterday, I guess Antonio Cholak started up front. Um, I think it was his first, maybe might be his second start since coming back from injury. At time Partick Thistle had had five shots, three of which had been on target, and Rangers had had four shots, none of which had been on target. And I can't actually remember any clear-cut chances that we had created in that first half And um, with Antonio Cholak leading the line. It's not the first time we've seen halves like that when Antonio Cholak struggled to get into the game, and I do understand... The, um, the argument that Antonio Cholak is a type of striker that requires service and we aren't giving that to him. We've already spoken about Hadji Tillman and Cantwell's struggles in that first half. What do you make of Antonio Cholak's performance yesterday? He did get the goal and that's what he's there to do, but do, I, I guess it comes back to the, the Cholak or Morelos argument of the, does Antonio Cholak do enough to lead to lead our line or is is actually what Alfredo Morelos if what Alfredo Morelos does and offers to us both outside outside the box in the build-up and inside the box when we when he gets there, is that is that the type of striker we should be looking for?
1: I'd say very much so. I mean, if, if we were playing a big game this week, I want Morelos playing all day. However, what I'll sort of caveat that with is, like you said, Scholleck had a poor first half, couldn't really get involved, but his first chance is a goal. Like, that's, that's what he does um, I think we've talked a lot about how the midfield sort of Raskin aside was very poor in that first half what's Cholak supposed to do yes he could get maybe get involved a bit more but then he's coming deeper and then he's not going to be where we want him to be if we get the ball in that area so it's, it's quite a tricky one and like you said there's been a lot of games this season where Cholak's not really featured in but then he's just scored so it's a very easy comparison with like Chris Boyd from, from many years ago but that's what he done you know, he's he scored a lot of important goals and that's what Cholak has done already this season. Um so I think they both have their place in the side I and mean, there's always a lot of curiousness about whether Morelos will be here next summer. I personally don't think he will be. So if we're looking at a sort of profile of a player, I think we'd be much rather much better off, sorry, going for a Morelos type who can link the play, who can sort of hold the ball up, batter into people a little bit and let the number tens or the wingers get themselves involved and get themselves forward forward. Um, but these kind of games against a packed defence, if you're only getting one or two chances, I'd much rather Cholak was the guy with that chance than Morelos, so they both can work, probably not on the pitch at the same time but they've both got their sort of situations what they're perfect for.
0: Yeah, Gab, I'm very much of the opinion if we could get um, Alfredo Morelos with Antonio Cholak's finishing ability we would be um, unstoppable but I think at the the moment we've got to choose between one or one or the other. Who did you make of Antonio Cholak yesterday? And um, in terms of how he, how does he, how do you think he fits into to Michael Beal's system? Because that's been a talking point as well. Well, it's almost like it's an easy,
2: easy. sort of stick to bar Cholak with when it's you can be at half time and we've not scored. So it's all Cholak's fault. As he said, he, he didn't have any opportunities to do it anything. Like, and he was making making runs. And there was a few times where he made runs nobody picked him out or he'd make the run and by the time that they looked up to play, he, he was offside and they've checked back again and it's for me, my biggest thing again, we're playing Partick Thistle there's no reason for our, our number nine to be dropping 40 yards to link play with the midfield, we've got three number tens that are there to create the chances, we've got two midfielders who are both good technical players and then you've got your two fullbacks providing width how many, why is our number nine having to or being expected to to drop into midfield and link the play, we've got well, three, four, six, seven players that are there to link the play. Why? Why is Cholak getting the criticism for not not doing that? And then second half, he gets his chance and he scores. It, it's he's there to, for that for that reason. It's the other players that were were failing to do their jobs in the first half that led to sort of the criticism for for Cholak. in, in my opinion, anyway, and it's um, I'd rather always have a player that that is more likely to score goals playing in Scotland. And that's where as soon as Kent came on, as soon as Roof came on, there was a bit more pace and movement round about him and guys going behind him, which led to us getting that getting that goal. So it's certainly the first goal anyway. So it's uh, that's that's where I am on sure like there's certainly a place for both of them in the squad, but I still think there's there is a hybrid
0: a combination of the two
2: out there if we've got decent scoring.
0: Yeah, I think I'm very much a a big fan of Antonio Cholak and um, I think his finishing ability is phenomenal. I think um, his contribution yesterday in the first half was probably a bit off um, and he might well be just getting up to speed after his injury and there's all those kind of factors to to bring into it as well. um, But I think I I do want to see more from Antonio Cholak and the more that I see performances like that first half drop in from him, I the more I, I turn to start to think actually, should we offer Morelos an extension to his deal? And then a big part of me is like, actually, Morelos' his time's up. So really the place to, the place that we need to get to is to be almost embrace the new striker that's gonna come in or that we hope is going to come in and, and take it from there. Um, I've got about five or six minutes left. Um, so let's go through some of the some of the rest of the news from today. Obviously, i will be speaking about the Scottish Cup tie against party Thistle. The draw for the next round was made about 5.30. Um, and I think it's safe to say, Ian, we got a, a favourable tie um, in the draw. So the men's quarterfinal draw. So Darville or Falkirk versus Air United. I think Darville, if, it get, if it gets to become Darville versus Air United, that could be a very tasty tie down there. Um, Hearts versus Celtic. Inverness, Cali-Thistle versus Kilmarnock. And Rangers versus Rafe Rovers. Ian, I think, uh, albeit we we had our struggles yesterday against Partick so I think if Raith Rovers at home was probably um, one of the more favourable ties that we could have gotten in there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I was, I was going to say it's um, it's a pretty easy draw on paper, but we saw what we done yesterday, so I wouldn't bank on it just yet. But no, it's it's a very very favourable draw, um, which feels a bit I don't know. I didn't expect that. I don't know. Just add that little feeling that we were, we were going to get the Tyne Castle away trip an old film is going
0: to come out, so more than happy with how that's panned out. Nice. Yeah, Gav, Ian used the word easy there, I'm not going to use that word, (laughs) um, because it could very much come back to bite us, but I think it's it's, um, obviously gives us a really good opportunity to progress through into the semi-final, and like we spoke about earlier, the cup competitions are are vital for us this season, and we need to at least be, be getting to the final of these and winning, lifting at least one, but but two would be, two is obviously the aim. Well, well that's it. Mate. I think
2: almost when you look at the teams that are left in it, shy of Hearts or Celtic, home or away, we'd have to have a word of ourselves if we got knocked out of of. And that's not being arrogant, it's budget, quality of players, players have signed, the players have got coming back fit again. I think the only one you'd pick out of that and not fans who'd become Arnwick Away, because of the the pitch, and you know what you're gonna not go, what you're gonna get down there, but the it, almost a highlighted draw was the Hearts Hearts Celtic one. I think that's I'd, I'd love that to be a Friday night game. I think that would be Pencastle on a Friday night, absolutely packed. That, that would be some game. I think that would be, and that's probably outside of us. I think that's probably probably the only sort of real sort of challenge that they, they would get. And um, when you look at the other teams, it's great. There's going to be a well, well, a smaller team. Obviously, you've got Darvill, United, and, and uh, Falkirk. One of them's going to be at Hamden, because um, they're going to make. They're going. One of them going to win in the semi-final, so that's going to be great for, great for them. Um, but I think it's, it, all round it's quite quite a good draw. because Inverness against Kelly again. That's not that's not a shoo-in for, for Kelly either. So it's um it's a, it's a good draw all around, but it's a it's a really good one. Good one for us in terms of you just want a home game. Um, and hopefully Bill realises that he needs to go with strong
0: first, and then make the change at half time, and then everybody will be happy. Yeah, I, I can't see it as having anything other than a 4pm on Sunday kickoff, unfortunately, for it either, which is um, which is an absolute nightmare and which I didn't particularly enjoy. Yesterday, just to round us off with some some um, news that, that kind of came out of the club today, so... Alex Lowry, there's a lot of questions yesterday about um why he wasn't in the squad, at least. Um a lot of people wondered if he would start. Um turns out he was he got injured um in training on Saturday and he left the training ground in a moon boot um and he's gonna get a scan. So that doesn't sound particularly good. Um and I believe he was uh, reports are saying that he was in line to start yesterday as well, which I think would have been would have been interesting and I do wonder if that would have would have changed anything in that first half yesterday if, if he'd been in there and um, Scott Arfield is apparently also, um, struggling a bit with an injury, um, which is, which is disappointing to see. Um, Gab, I know you follow the, the B team quite closely and Ian, I know you're, you're the same, but I'll, I'll come to you in a second, but it's, it's um, Alex Gray doesn't seem to be getting much work at the moment, does he? No, I see
2: this season's almost a write off for him now. I mean, at, at the beginning of the season, I wasn't happy that Arfield got a new contract, a bonus, because I thought, let Arfield go and give Lowry his minutes. Because I think he showed enough at the end of last season that he's got that potential. Um, probably to start 20 games and then come off the bench in others. He's obviously then had to, came back from pre-season or into pre-season, not fully fit, struggled with injury. Then he got the, the horror tackle that's done his ankle. If he's wearing a moon boot, I mean, for all we know, he's done he's obviously still either had an injury or reoccurrence or that sort of injury or um something else. But if he's if he's getting sort of that sort of treatment this sort of stage is, is injury, then it's it's probably not looking likely that we'll we'll see much of him, especially with the players that have now got now got in. Um it'd be nice to see another number ten <laughs> start yesterday. Um however he did finish the last was it the last game or the game before playing at number eight. So we'd been interested to see who it was that he was going to he was going to replace, if it would have been Kamara it would have been quite interesting, because Louis does have that ability to to dictate
0: a game from deeper, so it would have been, it would have been an interesting one to see. Yeah, Ian, I think um, Scott Arthur will be missing injured at the moment as well, I've, I've not seen how long he's he's out for, or what the injury is, but I think um, I think that that's a, an option that we, we want to keep having off the bench, albeit I don't think he, he, he shows very much when he starts games anymore, but it's a, it's one that I would like to see him back by by the week Cup final at the latest.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think we also went done at Aberdeen, Um if there's one guy on that bench when you're a goal down, you want to bring on it's Arfield. I'll be, I never want to see him start a game of football for Rangers again, because I'm sick of that one. Um, but no, off the bench, all for it, um, especially if Lowry's now out. Um, he's sort of, as you say, as uh, Gav touched on, very similar players. I'm in agreement with him. We probably should have let Arfield go to. Bring Lowry on a bit more, but at this stage, no, I'm hoping Arfield isn't too bad. Obviously, same for Lowry, but if he's in that famous moot boot, it's not going to be great, is it?
0: No, I don't think so. Final bit of news today was that the RYDC have made another huge donation to to the youth teams. At Rangers four hundred thousand pounds, I believe it is, which takes them past ten million pounds worth of, of money raised um since two thousand and two, which is a a phenomenal amount of money um that is going into to the youth set up and um, they deserve every every congratulations coming their way for that one just passed our marks, i think that we'll round off there um ian thanks very much for joining us
1: no thanks for having me pleasure as always it?
0: and gab thanks very much to you as well enjoyed that yeah great thank you very much cheers gents I do, and thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, Please remember to subscribe to the TII podcast on YouTube. Please remember to to like the video if you enjoy our content. That helps us out massively as well. And toggle on those notifications so you get an email every single time we go live. In terms of what's coming up for the rest of the week, um, I believe it's Kyle in the hot seat for the Wednesday bulletin, and then we'll be back post-match after the Livingston game on Saturday before our our flagship show as normal at 8pm on Sunday night. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Until next time, goodbye.